This episode of The Amazing Nerd Show is sponsored by... I like true crime, so I decided to make a true crime podcast where I cover true crime stories year by year. And I hate true crime, so I decided to beef up my wife's true crime podcast by telling people what was on TV during each one of those murders or who was winning that wrestling match during that awful rape. The result is American Timelines, where we cover strange, fascinating happenings. And sometimes silly stories and even birthdays. Didn't you always wonder when Don Cheadle was born? No. Didn't you at least wonder what the number one song was when Don Cheadle was born? No. Well, what did you want to know? Just about murder. Sweet, sweet, grisly murder. Well, sometimes you talk about UFOs or ghost stories, too. Yes, those are cool, too. And who hasn't wondered what episode of 227 was on during a haunting? Everyone. Download and subscribe to American Timelines by History for Jerks. You can hear it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. It's better than it sounds. It really is. American Timelines by History for Jerks, the greatest podcast ever. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, nerd. Are you ready to launch 119th Expedition into Nerdum? Preparing for launch... Queuing bitchin' rockabilly track. Priming engines. Now remolding your tinfoil hat. Unecrypting files for comics, TV, movies, wrestling. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Hey, that was great. And this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. Damon, I finally sat down and watched Train to Busan. Oh yeah? What did you think, Christian? You know, I really did enjoy it. I feel okay. like it was a little overhyped for me as I went in, but I did still really enjoy it. I love the dynamic between the dad and the, the daughter. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really well done. Mm-hmm. I'd probably still give it like, you know, a B minus. You're a piece of shit. A B minus? <laughs> really? Well, I know know some films that you gave a B plus to the (laughs) fact that you're giving that movie a B minus. You're just being a dick now. How how about I be fair? I'll make it a B a solid B fucking killjoy. (laughs) If anyone's interested in doing a podcast with me, go ahead and DM us at amazing nerd show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Hurry, please. (laughs) And and, and, and literally, if you would have discovered that film on your own, You'd be raving about it right now. It's just because so many people over the last three years told you how much, how much <laughs> they loved it, that you decide to shit on it with a B minus. I give you, I give you, Christian, a B minus. <sighs> B's for bitch, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David, we got a hell of a show to get into this week. <laughs> But before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, help further support the show by giving us a five-star review. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We are mere podcasters with opinions. All right, first up this week, Justice League Dark television series in the works from Bad Robot and HBO Max. So Variety's reporting that HBO Max handed out a one-hour commitment to a drama series produced by J.J. Abrams. Um, There's no further details, I guess, um, but it will be including all the cast and characters from uh, the DC Comics, you know, Justice League Dark book. Hey, you know, I'm excited. I feel like Justice League Dark is probably my second favorite DC book running right now. Oh, really? So, I mean, I, I definitely into it. I'm, you know, they can't use Wonder Woman because she's in the films or they probably won't do that. But I feel like it's very interesting to see them put out a Justice League Dark uh, series right now. Is Wonder Woman still in the Justice League Dark book? Yeah, she's still dabbling back and forth because she's kind of like this main um, figure in the like witch world right now. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, that was, I, I remember when the book started and it kind of threw me for a loop. So, <laughs> uh, But it's going strong still, huh? Yeah. All right. Uh, what would you like to see from the cast? What characters would you like to see represented here in the show? Well, since I heard so many great things about Swamp Thing, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see them continue on with that character uh, live action wise. I'm definitely, you know, John Constantine, huge fan of his, but, you know, uh, he's been one of the highlights from um, the like 
DC TV shows that they've had going out. Um, so uh, yeah, Constantine, Swamp Thing, uh, maybe Zantana. Now, do you think they use the same actor who's portraying Constantine on the uh, WB shows right now? Um, I feel like fans will clamor for that, but I, I feel like they should go in a different direction at this point. You know, okay. start something new. Yeah, you don't know if, you know, these, like, shows are, you know, interlinked at mm-hmm. all, so, um, it might cause confusion, so, uh, but yeah, it, it, I'd be, it'd be really cool to see Dead Man represented, mm-hmm. so, uh. I don't know. I don't know. I'm excited for this, though. I mean, this kind of came out of nowhere. I heard uh, Del Toro, right? He was at one point connected to this project when it was going to be a film. Yeah, and that's another great name for these characters to be with as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate that never got off the ground. But, I mean, J.J.'s got a pretty good track record, so we'll see what happens. Uh, But speaking of J.J., we also have another story uh with jj and hbo max that's right damon hbo max orders the shining base series overlook from jj abrams and bad robot yeah so i guess this was also reported on by variety um it it sounds like it's going to be and this is me speculating more of an anthology series um they're they're quoted in saying that it's a horror thriller that explores the untold stories of the overlook hotel so I don't know if it, maybe it'll just follow like different guests, you know, who stayed there over the years. I can't imagine them like revisiting like, you know, the Torrance's, you know, story. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it's a cool idea, though, if it's going to be kind of like, you know, different like ghost stories featuring a different like, you know, cast you know, every episode or maybe mm. every season, like American Horror Story. Yeah, I was going to say that. I feel like that would be a cool idea to make it like American Horror Story um, Overlook, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. I mean, and you could do, like, you can kind of, like, you know, introduce a different, like, entity, like Ghost or something like that mm. every, like, you know, you know, couple episodes or every season um, where you can get to know, like, their full story. And Stephen King right now, actually, he's got another series over on Hulu that I haven't checked out, Castle Rock. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I have Hulu now, so I don't know what the hell I'm waiting for. It's not like I don't have anything but time on my hands. All right, up next, we have main characters revealed in nine new images from Dennis Villeneuve's Dune. All right, bravo in saying that name, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed. Um, it's, my, it's my best guess. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we slaughtered it, but... You know, that's nothing new. Um, so we got our first look at, you know, all the characters from the movie. Uh, we saw Oscar Isaac, Zendaya, Josh Brolin, and Jason Momoa and more. Um, were you a Dune fan, Christian? Um, you know, it was one of those I just never got around to watch it. Okay. I've heard a lot of things about it and I've heard a lot of story elements, but I've never really watched or read anything from it. So, like, I saw Dune when I was like seven or eight probably when it first came out in the 80s. Um, it was directed by David Lynch, and, I mean, it had Sting and Sandworms, and I had no fucking clue what the hell was going on, Christian. Um, I guess um, years later, you know, from you know, my friends who are, like, hardcore Dune fans, they were saying that the problem was really that they were trying to, like, cram two books into one movie, and it just didn't work. They didn't have enough time to tell the story. The right way mm. i know that they did like a tv miniseries a while back um that they actually my friends actually preferred the miniseries um so they're really excited about this um from the pictures i mean it looks cool i'm a huge fan of what dennis new wave did with um blade runner 2049 um you know I, I, it's funny like that had so much hype and then it just didn't do well in the box office i caught it on blu-ray um, a while back, and I really, really enjoyed that movie. So I'm pretty excited for this. Um, this is coming out in December, December 18th, 2020. Hopefully, knock on wood. Um, oh, okay. But um, they, the, the studio, I guess, has like high hopes with this. They want to make this a franchise because there is a lot of Dune books. Um, so these first two movies is just the start um i guess they want to try to do all the other books um if it's successful i mean there's also spinoff books i guess and then um they already i think are looking into doing a tv series also yeah i mean this is warner brothers so they're definitely trying to build something new i mean you know they need something other than dc characters running their film industry right yeah and we know warner brothers loves to milk a cash cow so Mm -hmm. if this is a cash cow they will be milking 
No, it's absolutely huge fucking cast in this film. And um, I definitely did like the look of what I saw from the images. And I can get behind anything with a rich, you know, backstory. So, I mean, I might get into it. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll actually read the books. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go too far or anything. But <laughs> but like I said, people, like it, pe- people who are Dune people are mm. hardcore. Like, they are into Dune. Like, I have friends who, like, quote the fucking movies all the damn time. You know, it's kind of obnoxious, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I actually want to kind of, like, go and revisit that movie, the David Lynch movie again, you know, to see if I can actually, you know, get into it. All right, well, uh, moving on, we have Star Wars The Mandalorian documentary series coming to Disney+. Plus. Yeah, so this is a new eight-episode documentary series that's following Jon Favreau and the cast and crew. Um, they're going to show uh, share an inside look into the making of the groundbreaking program, I guess. Um, I'm just doing the read right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is going to debut uh, on Star Wars Day, May 4th, alongside the series finale of Star Wars The Clone Wars. So, And I don't know if this is going to be weekly. I'm, I'm assuming almost if it's eight, an eight-parter that they probably you know just are going to drop it every week. Um, eight parts? Yeah, eight parts. So I'm Jeez. I'm sure they're gonna look into like I honestly it's probably like a glorified like Blu-ray special feature. Type yeah, deal, that's what I'm imagining. You know, so they probably just kind of really like took a deep dive into like each aspect of the film, like in making the film. So I, I'll watch the whole thing. So <laughs> I dig that kind of shit. So it'll be interesting. All right. Well, uh, up next we have John Krasinski met with Marvel on undisclosed MCU projects. Yes. So um. MCU fans rejoice. Uh, you know, a while back when people were speculating or hoping that John would end up playing Mr. Fantastic, um, he mentioned that he would definitely be interested, but he had no meetings at that point. Um, but it's being reported by Geeks Worldwide that he did actually have, you know, a Zoom meeting of some sort um, regarding a bunch of different Marvel projects. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no really any other like further details to the story but like everyone's definitely like way with bated breath for the announcement that he will definitely be you know (laughs) mr fantastic um you know we'll see we'll see i could definitely see them wanting him also like behind the camera you know or producing something yeah that's what i was gonna say i i could see him totally picking up like dr strange and making a dr strange film or or even um uh, guardians of the galaxy down the road yeah, no, definitely. Um, I really hope that they do end up casting him, though, as Reed Richards. Yeah. Because if they <laughs> cast him as someone else, I think there'll be a lot of people disappointed, even though it could be totally badass and, like, the right fit for him. Um, yeah. So I, at this point, like, everyone's just kind of assuming that's where they're going with this. So we'll see. So, John, we really want you to play the new Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> that could work. <laughs> It could. <laughs> um, do you see him as a uh, as Reed? Oh, totally. I totally picture him and his wife as the fucking Fantastic Four family. Yeah. No, I feel like it's the perfect fit. I don't know why mm. they wouldn't do it unless they want to go younger for some reason. Um, I don't know where you know, you know, the Richards will be. You know, at that point, um, story wise. Um, but I feel like it just makes perfect sense, you know, for him to step in the role. And I always feel like Reed always plays older anyway, even in those mm. earlier stories. So why the fuck not? And speaking of the MCU, uh, Sam Raimi has confirmed that he will be directing Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, man, that's awesome to hear. Um, I'm also hearing tons of speculation that they're going to bring in Bruce Campbell's Mysterio. Yeah, I heard he's actually like campaigning for it. <laughs> <laughs> who would you cast uh bruce campbell as oh um man because he can it's multiverse of madness so he could technically be anyone i would um, i would cast him as an older deadpool older deadpool yeah because uh, i was about to say older spider-man would be fun that would be nice that would be nice but i mm-hmm. yeah i mean they're not gonna go deadpool because obviously they want to introduce ryan reynolds as yeah. deadpool um or like oh what about like modok I, that's totally up rammy's alley just this fucking giant <laughs> chin in that chair the little chair uh-huh. <laughs> that'd be perfect all right well last but not least on our list this week we have david bruckner to open the puzzle box and remake hellraiser 
So yeah, Bruckner uh, directed Nighthouse and The Ritual, uh, and he also did, I think he did part of the anthology uh, VHS. Um, so, it, it, you know, he, he's got a buzz around him right now. This is being produced by Spyglass Media, who's actually the same group that's going to be producing the Scream um, remake. Um, I think they have the uh, director from Ready or Not behind it, um, which is just perfect. So, uh, but yeah, no, uh, David Goyer, who I think we originally reported a couple months ago that he was attached to this, he's still going to be writing this. Um, but then they also named uh, Ben Collins and Luke Petrowski as the screenplay writers. So I don't know if Goyer's just coming up with like the main like germ of the idea and then they're going to kind of hash it out. But hey, it's about time we see Pinhead back on the big screen. Absolutely, man. I'm still hoping they like throw some money at this, really, really get into those effects. I want to see some crazy shit on the screen. Yes, but I want it to be like the best practical effects ever. <laughs> Absolutely. I want it to be as visceral and fucking hardcore as possible. Because that first movie scarred the shit out of me as an eight-year-old. <laughs> so <laughs> I had no business watching that. But my God, it left its mark. So Jesus <laughs> wept. <laughs> All right, Christian. So we watched a couple movies this week. Uh, first up, part of our Better Late Than Never segment, Horse Girl. And what is it that you're experiencing? I've been having a little trouble sleeping. Finding myself places and I don't know how I got there. You have nothing to be afraid of. Do you believe in alien abductions? Sarah, a socially isolated woman with a fondness for arts and crafts, horses, and supernatural crime shows, finds her increasingly lucid dreams trickling into her waking life. Uh, this premiered at Sundance, but also started on Netflix February 7th. This was directed by Jeff Baina, uh, written by Jeff Baina, and also stars and was written by Alison Brie. Okay, so with everything going on right now, I've been kind of like searching, uh, trying to find different things that we can review for the show since, you know, content is like at an all time low. Um, so, you know, I, I was checking out an article on Esquire um, listing all the like, I think it's like the top 12 horror movies so far in 2020, which is insane to think because it's only really April. Um, but who knows when we're going to get any more horror movies at this point. So um, I did see this, um, you know, submission for this movie called Horse Girl um, that was actually streaming on Netflix currently. So I thought I'd go ahead and I, you know, give it a shot. Um, you know, first of all, I will say that I definitely wouldn't classify this as your typical horror film. Um, this feels more like a like psychological drama, you know, with some definite comedic undertones. Um, but, you know, that being said, let's go ahead and review it anyway. Um, so we're introduced with, you know, to Sarah, uh, played by Alison Brie, who's this very lonely, socially awkward woman who works in arts and crafts store. Um, this literally feels like the setup for about a hundred different quirky, small independent films that premiered at Sundance. But that being said, we go on and we follow Sarah in her everyday life. Uh, we find out that she loves to knit and sew. She's obsessed with this like Joss Whedon kind of like supernatural show called Purgatory. Um, and she likes to hang out once in a while at this uh, horse stable that uh, she used to ride at when she was a child. Um, it's at the stables that we kind of start to detect that something might be off. Um, at first, I thought she might actually work there when we first kind of see her on there. Um, and, you know, we see her kind of like coaching this young writer. But soon after like another visit or so, um, it's obvious that that's not the case at all. Um, and like the owners, the way they interact with her, they kind of seemed an like annoyed by her presence. Um, from there, like we start to get into Sarah's like true journey of the film. Um, you know, it really starts to kind of like the story really starts to reveal itself um, in like this very like subtle, slow burn way um but i did think it was well paced and i love a good like slow burn like movie so i was totally on board um we as an audience like we are watching this like quiet unassuming woman like go on this like 
downward spiral into mental illness. Um, you know, and I found it really like fascinating. I, I really enjoyed like how this film handled Sarah's descent. Um, it's very subtle um, how she starts to struggle with reality. We're seeing this whole like, you know, uh, story like through her eyes. Um, in the first two acts, we watch her slowly like connect these dots as she struggles to make sense to like, you know, what's like happening uh, to her. She's having this these episodes of like sleepwalking and like having these really like lucid dreams about this like white light and like, you know, these alien like creatures. Um, and she's like waking up in like strange places, having no idea how she got there. And there's also like some weird like time displacement happening. Um, we find out like through different interactions with like all the different people in her life. Um, and these people like feel like glorified acquaintances, which, you know, made the story even feel a little more like sad. Because um, these were like, you know, literally like all the people that she has in her world um we, we but anyway we find out that like mental illness runs in her family but uh she feels really desperate to prove that that's not the case here um that's not why these things are happening she becomes kind of like this disillusioned like nancy drew character putting together like these you know like pieces to a puzzle that don't really exist at all um, while she starts to like unravel, I love that it's not your typical Hollywood portrayal of someone who's sick. She's not stark raving mad. Um, it's very like matter of factly. She has these theories about clones and aliens that like make perfect sense to her. She actually believes she's a clone of her grandmother. Um, and it's not really to like the third act does she have like this complete full breakdown and it's like after she starts talking to about these theories to people that she's like kind of comfortable with like her doctor and this guy that she starts dating um and she gets like rejected um you know because she trusted these people and that's really when like the director jeff uh banya um opens up the doors to fucking oz and this film whose style feels like super safe and almost mundane explodes into this like surreal experience um as you know we like you know really really get into sarah's psychosis in like a first hand you know way um we're watching her world crumble and we're doing this through these visuals as we like travel you know through her hallucinations that um you know last almost like the whole third act of the film so it's a really, you know, heartbreaking story. Um, the script and Alison Bree's performance do such a just phenomenal job of making you feel empathy for Sarah. Um, you, I do kind of wish they would have taken like a deeper dive into like mental illness. Um, it, it feels like very like surface level kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, at first, you know, I, I think towards the end of the film, I was really hoping that the story would be a little more like open to interpretation, um, you know, kind of like a la like Donnie Darko. But I, I you and maybe you could argue that they did give that to you, but that's not what I got from this film. Um, I really think what the film was truly like trying to convey is like how we as a society like deal with mental health. And how so many people fall through the cracks without the proper, like, support system behind them, you know, through, like, family and friends. And just how, like, you know, just, I mean, just support from, like, you know, such a broken and flawed system, you know. Or, I mean, maybe it was just aliens. I don't know. Um, you know, so besides some issues I had with, like, kind of its uneven tone, um, you know, because there's, the, the film does, you know, jump tone wise drastically about like halfway through i do feel like that's on purpose though um i really really dug this film well all right david what would you grade it um i'm gonna give this a b plus so i probably would have ended up giving it an a if you know like i talked about if it kind of like delved into some of its themes a little deeper 
But I, I was really, really entertained by this film. So I'm going to give it a strong B+. Plus. All right, all right. Well, before we move on, support for The Amazing Nerd Show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Christian, my bachelor days are way behind me. But I remember being a younger man, running around before a big date, you know, having to manscape using those old fashioned trimmers. I mean, you you practically might as well be using like a chainsaw or something because you'd get a nick with those things and you'd practically bleed out. That's why I'm so excited that Manscaped has gone ahead and redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. And I'm happy to announce they just released the brand new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. That's right, man. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. One of the coolest features is the new LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Christian, I've never had a better look at my balls. But let me tell you, the thing that impresses me the most is they've upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand has a rapid charging dock powered by a USB. I know I have mine displayed proudly on my fireplace mantle so everyone knows I rock it high and tight, baby. That's right, it's time to trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping using the code NERDSHOW20. I don't think you heard me, guys. I said get 20% off and free shipping when you head over to manscaped.com today using the code NERDSHOW20 at checkout. And make sure you tell them the nerd sent you. Well, moving on, I watched Onward. Dad? Ah! Don't stop, Bart! Dad, you are in your house. Oh, oh boy. Oh. We've only got 24 hours to bring back the rest of Dad. We're going on a quest. Two elven brothers embark on a quest to bring their father back for one day. Uh, this is a Pixar film directed by Dan Scalen and uh, starring Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. Yeah, Damon, this was another one of those Pixar films that really like <laughs> really took a mature approach to a kid's film, as usual. You know, they really like to depress the hell out of you, I'd see. <laughs> <laughs> this film takes on, you know, themes of loss and everything because uh, the two main brothers their father had passed away when they were very young like i think um, it was right before the birth of tom holland's character in this film um and you know you you constantly get this theme of you know who who's the father figure in their lives you know um is it the father that he, you know tom holland's character kind of worships even though he knew nothing about him or was it the brother this whole time going throughout the film you know and you get this going throughout the entirety of the film you know who's this kind of father figure role for him. Uh, it's very important to, cause he's never had one. Um, and I feel like the dynamic you get between Tom Holland and Chris Pratt's performance, um, really just comes out in these characters. I mean, these are really well done characters and this is Pixar, you know, this is what you kind of expect. You know, it's kind of like, uh, very, uh, jarring having gone from last week reviewing, you know, a, a, like an action comedy for kids, Sonic, to this, you know, super serious, uh, you know, I don't want to say drama, but like super serious kids film mm -hmm. about loss and, you know, growth and everything. Uh, I'm not going to give away the ending, but I mean, the ending is another one of those classic Pixar like tearjerker moments. Um, and you really like you're drawn in and you really believe all these characters. Um, and this is another realm that I constantly want to see more of. You know, it's this kind of like, um, what if um, magical realm creatures lived in today's society? And I feel like we don't get that enough in like modern, um, any modern shows. Like I, 
I, the last thing I remember was fucking um, that Will Smith movie that they put on um, Netflix. Oh, wow. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's it's definitely a unique thing where, you know, they show like um, Chris Pratt's character is all about like the history of, you know, magic in this world and how we've all let it go. And now everyone's like, you know, on their phones and using technology because it's easier than, you know, doing the hard work of magic and stuff like that. So there's little messages like that throughout the entire film. Okay. I, I just feel like everything was very well handled. Um, the animation is it's Pixar. It's it's quality. You're going to get, you know, perfect little moments throughout the entire thing. I honestly think this is one of the Pixar films that a lot of people should see, but I don't know if it's going to stand up as much as like Toy Story or any of their more iconic films. Um, you know, it has that great message, but I don't think it hits as hard as like as Inside Out. Um, it still has a very strong, pungent message throughout the film, but um, but I don't think it's going to appeal to kids as much as maybe like a preteen audience would. You know, that's not going to have as much longevity as a lot of these other Pixar films will. So I'm just I'm just putting that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think kids are going to get it as much mm-hmm. personally. But, you know, uh, it was still very enjoyable for me. Yeah, man, these movies have way too many feels for me. All the Pixar <laughs> movies. Like, uh-huh. I just become like a ball of emotions after watching them. So I've just learned to stay the fuck away at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I do think like one, like uh, a certain part of like Pixar's charm is the fact that it does appeal to like the adult audience and the children's audience at the same mm-hmm. time. Um, I know a, a lot of adults who get just as excited about Pixar films as the kids do. Um, you know, cause it's, it's just really just made for the whole family. Um, but you know, like you said, I, I think character design wise and everything like that, do I see a bunch of kids, you know, buying like onward toys? Is there even onward toys? Um, I'm not even sure. So I don't think it will have that kind of marketing appeal, mm. you know, to kids. So I, I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, but yeah, I could be wrong. What do I know? Uh, <laughs> I didn't see the fucking movie. Um, uh, but, uh, so do they stick the landing with the message? The ending and the landing work much better than the journey, if that makes sense. Okay. Like the the ending feels much more memorable than the journey that we got throughout the film. Is that is it like one of those endings where it's kind of like got you? Like you you didn't see it really coming? Um, yeah. I would definitely say um uh, that was a bit of a twist uh on what you know a traditional like kid story would give you. Yeah, and those are. Uh, it was definitely way more mature. <laughs> yeah, and those are the kind of third acts that really like get you. So, mm. um, you know, and that's what Pixar is known for, really, at this point. So, all right, man. So, if you were going to give this movie a grade, what would it be? I'm going to give it a B. I, I definitely, you know, think highly of Pixar, but I do feel like I could. I, I feel like they could come up with something a little bit more meaningful as, as far as journey wise throughout this film. Mm-hmm. So. Where would you rank this amongst the other Pixar films? Would this be like more on the lower, you know, end of the spectrum or, you know, middle of the pack? I'm going to say middle of the pack. Because those, those car car movies, they suck, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least the sequels. There's a lot of shitty sequels, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, man. Well, cool. So solid, solid B. Solid B. All right. So uh, we've got uh, some wrestling to talk, man. I've announced some of the greats in this business as champions with a signature word. From San Martino, to Backlund, to Hogan, to Flair, to Bret Hart, to The Rock, to Austin, to Triple H, to The Undertaker, to Shawn Michaels, to John Cena, and many more, I wanted to make their ascension to the throne memorable and remembered by how I announced their win. Well, tonight, I'm going to steal a page from my playbook, if I may. Ladies and gentlemen, I, the Think, Howard Finkel, am a new inductee into WWE's Hall of Fame class of 2009. Thank you very much. So, yeah, after a really dark day yesterday, we're recording this on Thursday, um, where a whole lot of people lost their jobs. I woke up this morning finding out that uh, we lost Howard Finkel. Um, 
he'll definitely go down as like my favorite ring announcer. Um, you know, he is part of like pretty much every classic match in the eighties. Um, just hearing him announce the winner. Um, so it, it was a little depressing. No. Yeah. I think uh, one of the hardest stories to read after, um, hearing about Howard's passing was, uh, Vicky's comments on Twitter, you know, saying that he had like actually stayed with, um, Eddie's body traveling back to Vicky, you know, letting her know that she, he didn't want to uh, let Eddie be alone through that at all. It was pretty, pretty rough read. Wow. After, like, well, now Christian, I'm really depressed. Let's go ahead and <laughs> let's move on about more depressing news. So this week definitely started off with a lot of controversy for WWE. Um, when people found out that they started to run live shows again, apparently WWE was going to, you know, pre-tape, uh, you know, I think almost like four weeks of television. Um, but then all of a sudden midday Vince, um, decided, no, fuck it. We're going to go live, um, you know, to everyone's confusion. (laughs) Uh, so it really kind of like, you know, threw most of the wrestlers and staff for a loop because obviously they're planning on, you know, you know, hunkering down, recording a bunch of episodes and going back home for, you know, at least four or five weeks. Um, so, I mean, there was a lot of controversy. Uh, we heard that actually that the police were called, um, to, um, the performance, uh, center, I guess the sheriff tried to shut the program down. Um, and it came out that WWE had been deemed as essential services by the governor of Florida. Um, I, and I, from what I hear, (laughs) um, and I don't have all the details in front of me, but I guess uh, this was on the same day that uh, Linda McMahon's super PAC that she's part of made a huge donation to Florida um, of like, you know, 18 million or something. So pretty crazy, <laughs> uh, um, you know, and just just kind of gross. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's kind of like essential services. They did this whole press release how they were woven into the social or the fabric of society. Um, just enough to fucking make you want to puke. <laughs> it's just, it's, this is the type of stuff you, you like would hear from like a bad guy in a film rather than, yes. you know, <laughs> yes, a promoter of a wrestling company. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Vince McMahon had to file for bankruptcy um, for the XFL earlier this week. Also earlier this week, um, Vince uh, filed for bankruptcy with the XFL. Um, and then there was a rumor uh, the following day that there was a possibility, well, at least he felt there's a possibility that his TV contracts might be kind of up in the air since they weren't providing live content anymore because mm-hmm. they were scheduled to do a certain number of shows every year live. Um, and they already went through all their, you know, I guess they're allowed pre-taped shows. So he was concerned that it was kind of a backdoor way out for like Fox and USA um, for like paying up on their contract. Um, it's just like, why would those networks even want out though? At this point? Well, and just the optics of it, you know, mm-hmm. like how bad would they look if they pulled something like that? Um, you know, obviously everyone's losing money and, you know, but I think. You know, no, none of that's been confirmed by anyone, but that's kind of, you know, the idea of why he decided to go live. You know, I mean, he's also a crazy old man. Um, <laughs> and I could definitely just see him saying, you know, this sucks. Let's go live. You know, we can do this. Um, I'm sure, you know, the families of the wrestlers and the wrestlers themselves were probably pretty upset with that idea because you figure they're really exposing themselves, you know, to a dangerous situation. Um, and a lot of these wrestlers, I think were coming home after, you know, a week of taping and like putting themselves into like, you know, self quarantine, honestly, Mm. even though supposedly they're following all the like rules and regulations, um, that they're supposed to, at least their guidelines, I guess. Um, you know, so, I mean, someone like Daniel Bryan, who's expecting a, a baby soon, I mean, that really puts him in a shitty, you know, situation because he was actually staying in a hotel um, away from his family, you know, until, you know, you know, he had like the two week period was up, um, you know, so he could self quarantine. Um, So, man, it just it's a really bizarre situation. But uh, so after all this. Um, and you know, the, the media started to pick up on the story and everything like that. And started asking a lot of questions, uh, on April 15th, Wednesday, they announced over 40 releases 
um, firings and furloughs. And uh, this was a mix of, you know, in-ring performers to, you know, backstage producers and writers, referees. I mean, a lot, a lot of names. And I mean, this is a shitty time to get released because it's not like these guys can go start working anywhere. Um, You know, I mean, it's it's hard enough to find a regular job yet, you know, let alone a job, you know, wrestling so um but yeah i mean amongst the names and this is gonna take a while so bear with me <laughs> kurt angle drake maverick kurt hawkins carl anderson luke gallows heath slater eric young rowan sarah logan mike Kyoto, ec3 aiden english leo rush primo epico i didn't even know they were still there honestly <laughs> mike Canellis, maria Canellis, zach Ryder. No Way Jose and Rusev. And uh, and the producers on, the, on this list might have been furloughed, um, but some of them definitely probably got laid off also. Um, Billy Kidman, Mike Rotundo, uh, Fit Finley, Pat Buck, Sean Devari, Scott Armstrong, Sarah Stock, Shane Helms, Lance Storm, Ace Steel, and Serena Deb. Uh, oh, also uh, Kendo Cashin. Andrea Listenberg, who actually was the uh, writer of the whole Otis um, angle that was going on, was like, which was pretty much like the main angle on SmackDown yeah. <laughs> for weeks. Uh, Jerry Sato, and then you've got a bunch of NXT uh, talent also being released. Uh, Doran Mack, uh, Diana Peruza, uh, MJ Jenkins, Joshua Williams, uh, Alexander Jazik. I believe I'm mispronouncing these names. A lot of these are <laughs> talent that uh, never made their in-ring debut. Uh, Alyssa Miles and John Quazato. Well, it's just like we just saw Perazzo on television get uh, fed to Naya. Oh, oh, wow. That is really I mean, and I, I fucking what they did to Sarah Logan was pretty bogus because she got totally demolished by Shayna on Raw. <laughs> I mean, you think about these, you know, wrestlers, I mean, some of them, at least, they were risking themselves by, you know, performing for WWE. I mean, you know, these past weeks, you know, I mean, traveling and everything like that, you know, uh, and and then like the next day they get released. You know, there's just I mean, it they want to talk about like being a big family and everything like that. But it seems like it's more of a one way street. Um, you know, some of these names I'm not surprised by. You know, some of these names wanted out anyway, like mm. EC3, I believe, wanted out. Um, Mike Kanellis asked for his release a while back. Um, you know, there were rumors that Carl and uh, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows wanted out, but then I know they actually signed a huge contract recently. Um, and we know Rusev's relationship with the company has been, you know, up and down recently. Or, Jesus, not even recently for the last, like, couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if WWE was like, okay, well... We're safe right now. We can go ahead and release these people because there was a point where they just weren't releasing people anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and they were offering people insane contracts to keep them from going to like AEW. Um, and I don't know if they're just like, OK, we got to cut some money, um, even though from all accounts, they really didn't. They're, they're still going to end up having like their biggest year ever because of all the guaranteed money they're, you know, have they have coming in from their yeah. TV deals. <laughs> Um, even with like, you know, missing out on WrestleMania, not running house shows, although their house shows actually lost, would actually lose them money half the time, um, just because attendance was so low. Um, you know, they were still going to make a lot of money this year. This would have ended up being one of their most successful years and still will be. Um, but I don't know. I, I, yeah, I know that he's got a meeting with, you know, investors coming up. So I don't know if he wanted that bottom line to look a lot better. Um, that seems to be the case. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these guys get like rehired eventually. Um, you know, it's just I mean, I, I I hope some of them say screw you and just you know go out and you know um, reinvent themselves or you know prove their worth somewhere else. You know, like you know yeah. maybe like Impact or you know AEW, um, New Japan. Once things get back to normal, which will hopefully be soon. I mean, there's definitely, you know, talent on here that, you know, a lot of these companies would be happy to have. 
Exactly. I was looking at this list and I'm like, a lot of these guys can really get themselves over in any company if they really try. So I, I, there's a lot of great names on this list. Yeah, I can't imagine the companies like, you know, morale is really high right now mm. with the complete 180 with the whole, you know, uh, you know, going live situation. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you lose, you know, a good portion of your roster. Um, it's insane. You know, I mean, honestly, like Eric Young wasn't being used. Rowan was, I, I am surprised by Rowan because it, it did feel like they were pushing him. Um, you know, and then that whole giant spider thing happens. <laughs> uh, but you gotta, I mean, there's no way like Rowan's going to land on his feet. You know, Eric Young mm-hmm. is probably better off somewhere else. Although I heard he started doing kind of backstage stuff. Heath Slater is so underutilized. It's ridiculous. I mean, everything that guy does is hilarious. So I really hope he makes a name somewhere else for himself, you know, and like really shoves it back in WWE's face. Uh, who knows? Maybe he comes back and headlines the next WrestleMania. <laughs> I know. He's the next one. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's a name right there. Jinder Mahal. I, I'm surprised he's not on the list. Because, I mean, that guy's been practically on a milk cart in the last like year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember the last time I saw Jinder Mahal. So there, there were some names I was kind of surprised, you know, weren't on this list. Um, but who knows? Maybe more names will come out sooner than later. Exactly. Like, I'm still expecting, um, you know, a lot of NXT UK stars to be taken out. Yeah. Know? Yeah. But they still want to keep that brand strong. So, I mean, and I'm sure they're paying next to nothing for them, honestly. Mm. But no, just really bizarre. Um, I know they're saying that a lot of their executives are supposed to be taking cuts. Um just, just a lot of bizarre circumstances surrounding WWE. Not a good week this week at all. I think my biggest problem with this is that it just feels like releasing the talent that they released was just avoidable. Um, you know, like it's really just kind of like just a drop in the bucket. Um, you know, uh, people were, you know, people more in the know than me were saying that um, budget-wise that they were going to be saving about $5 million, I guess, or $4 million a month. It sounds like most of that money, though, like the, a high percentage of that, you know, 4 to $5 million was actually them delaying their headquarters move. So they're supposed mm-hmm. to be moving into a new building or something like that. So like it, like the, the talent, you know, cut was really just a fraction of that amount. So, I mean, you just, I mean, with the times being what they are, you know, if it's just for a better bottom line, you know, by a little, it just, it feels unnecessary and just kind of cruel. And they, I mean, you know, it just, it, I don't know why WWE would think that this was a good look as a company, but it Hmm. it really is them showing their true. Yeah. I'm just wondering, has there been any, any report of like even Vince taking, you know, like less money? Well, I guess there was a report that, you know, some executives were asked to, um, you know, take salary cuts. I'm Hmm. sure Vince is probably one of them, but no one's going to be crying for Vince. He's a billionaire. So, (laughs) Um, but, you know, like these guys, it's not like they can go out and get jobs. Like I said, it's, you know, they're kind of, you know, stuck now. So in limbo, which is just really shitty. I mean, I think a lot of them are probably going to end up being better off in the long run. But for right now, in these uncertain times, it just really fucking sucks. It's a bad look. Um, so, I mean, fucking Drake Maverick's video that he posted was just fucking heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. And I, I, like, <laughs> it's so bizarre to me, too, that he would even want to still compete in the Cruiserweight Classic. Also. I mean, I'm guessing it's still a paycheck, though. Right? Or it's not the Cruiserweight. It's a Cruiserweight um, tournament. Yes. But he was just very rah-rah. I was like, man, they just have these guys drinking the Kool-Aid or what? Because <laughs> I would totally be like, fuck this place. <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> um, so, but I don't know, man. Yeah, we definitely wish everyone all our best. I mean, hopefully they land on their feet. Um, and fuck you, WWE. <laughs> the, uh, the Hardy compound is going to become a really fun place soon, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> do you think aw ends up signing any of the talent i can see a couple names here and there um you know there's hopes for carl anderson and luke gallows 
Um, I would love to see Rusev there, but I can also definitely see Rusev on NWA. I could see Aiden English on N- NWA. I could see fucking Heath Slater on NWA. Definitely Heath Slater on NWA. Mm. That'd be fantastic. Or even Impact. Um, I think he would get much, a lot more time, you know, and really get yeah. a chance to shine. Um, I could see Rusev, um, you know, or even Rowan over at uh, New Japan. Mm-hmm. They love big guys that can work. Exactly. I would love to see Rusev in New Japan. I think that'd be fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and especially, I mean, they love Gallus and Anderson. We know that. So, mm-hmm. and they definitely had high hopes for, uh, for Anderson. So I wouldn't be surprised if those guys, you know, uh, make it, make their way back over there. Uh, it definitely seems like Zack Ryder is going to be joining AEW after, you know, Cody Rhodes long speech oh. of how much he loves him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I mean, AEW is in the same place that WWE is, you know, their business mm-hmm. and, you know, the cons aren't throwing all of their money and resources into AEW. They're, you know, you know, treating this as a business. So, I mean, I don't foresee them signing everyone just to sign people. So no. I, I hopefully hopefully they're just signing people. If they do sign people, it's just, you know, the best fit for them. I think I'm more interested in having background people join like companies like AEW. Like imagine Fit Finley joining AEW and stuff like that like those guys could really help and keep pushing forward the companies yes and they've done a great job of signing some great producers like Dean malenko mm-hmm. and arn anderson so fit finley definitely fits perfectly in that mix and i mean he's i mean he produced a lot of the women's matches so i mean they could definitely use him you know helping out exactly all right well dark days indeed but <laughs> <laughs> so let's end on a sour note christian <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that seem to happen with wrestling a lot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe we should stop putting it at the end of the show. <laughs> All right, David. Let's close out this show. Before we head out, make sure to head over to DramaCityProductions.com where you can hear us and plenty of other great podcasts. You can also join us on BigHeadsMedia.com where there's even more amazing podcasts. That's right. And if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Yeah, it definitely helps an independent podcast like us keep on going. And you know what? If you like any of the stories that we talked about this episode, make sure you go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and see the full versions of these articles, plus a whole lot more. Yeah, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show. That's your nerd hub for all things pop culture. Hey, and if you're looking to further support the show, go ahead and buy some merch over at Public. They have shirts, they have sweatshirts, I think they have mugs, bumper stickers, the works, man. Absolutely. And you can also head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and find our merch there as well. Yeah, while you're at it, go ahead and pick up your favorite wrestler's t-shirt. All right, so make sure to tune in next week. Yeah, next week I'm going to be talking Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge. Just came out this week. I'm super excited to get into it. We got that going on and uh, maybe a few other surprises. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. (laughs) We really haven't thought about it yet. Uh, But... These are different times. We'll figure it out before next yeah, week. We make right? this shit up as we go, right? <laughs> <laughs> Alright. My name is Christian. And my name is Damon. And that's the amazing nerd show. Yeah!